We never gave them any trouble because uh, Carol Carroll didn't write that kind of stuff or anything that was going to be sensible, and you didn't want to get in a long argument with them. Now, a fellow like Hope, he had problems because, you know, a joke's a joke, and if you get a good one and it's uh, on the borderline, you hate to give up on it. Well, we never had any problem in that direction, but the censorship was very rigid. The Bob Hope Show, a special rebroadcast for the American Armed Forces and their allies with Jerry Colonna, Vera Vague, Francis Langford, Stan Kenton's orchestra, and Bob Hope. <laughs> On February 15, 1944, Bob Hope broadcast his program from Santa Ana's Classification Center. His guest of honor was none other than good friend Bing Crosby. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, youth is a wonderful thing. Well, here we are today at the Santa Ana Classification Center in pre-flight school. That's like kindergarten with washouts. <laughs> I won't say some of these cadets are young, but the instructors here have to teach them and change them at the same time. <laughs> I'm just kidding, honest fellas. <laughs> I said to one cadet, congratulations on the second anniversary. He said, don't let these rosy cheeks fool you, I'm 18. I found out why they call it Santa Ana. On payday, these boys go into town feeling like Santa and go looking around for Anna. <laughs> yes, sir. And when they graduate here, these fellas will get to fly in a PT plane. That's the combat pilot's version of one of Crosby's horses. And they really teach a lot about flying here in those classes. In fact, they teach you so much, I saw two pigeons sitting on a windowsill taking notes. <laughs> and I want to tell you, they teach you to fly in a hurry here. One fella fought zeros over New Guinea for two weeks before they found out he'd just stopped by to deliver the colonel's laundry. These flyers have to know lots of math, and these boys are very industrious students. They spend all week studying figures, then on weekends they go into Los Angeles and look for homework. <laughs> yes, sir. And you know, when they get here in camp, all cadets are under quar quarantine. In civilian life, quarantine means you've got something. Here it means you don't have anything and can't even talk to one on the telephone. And when these fellas do get out of quarantine, I don't know if they're anxious to get to Hollywood for their first date or not, but last Saturday a motorist stopped and offered one of them a ride, and the fellas said, no thanks, I'm in a hurry. <laughs> I won't say they're anxious to get to town, but I saw one Jeep carrying so many cadets it could hardly clear the telegraph wires. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> I don't mean... I don't mean that these fellas like girls. But one of them was sitting in a link trainer the other day and a blonde walked by. It's the first time in history that a link trainer ever took off and stunted over Balboa. <laughs> one girl stopped in the highway the other day to give the fellas a lift and about 20 guys jammed into the car. It got so crowded she had to start putting some of them in the back seat. 
there's one man on this program who really knows all about flying, that famous aeronautics expert, aviator and inventor, Professor J. Hot Pilot Colonna. Say, Hope. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming in now. Watch this perfect landing. You see? Three points. Sounded more like 3.2. So you're a... Uh... So you're a flyer, Kelowna. Yes, Hope, and I always fly upside down. You fly upside down? How come? No suspenders. Keeps my pants up. <laughs> Professor, where did you get your background for flying? From my mother. She joined the Air Forces when I was just a child. Well, how did your mother happen to join the Air Forces? The old wardrobe man at the Follies put helium in her bubble. <laughs> You know, you certainly are living proof that man is only a few steps ahead of monkey. Well, walk fast. I'll wait for you. Well, tell me, if you're a pilot, Kelowna, have you received any decorations? Oh, yes. The air medal and 400 oak leaf clusters. <laughs> Four, 400 oak leaf clusters for flying? Nope. Oak tree fell on me. I want you to tell these students some of your experiences. You went to flying school yourself, didn't you? Yes, Hope, and I soloed the first day. The first day? Mm-hmm. My plane did battle roll, group the loops, and then several tailspins. Your plane did that? Well, wasn't that dangerous? Yes, and twice it almost hit my parachute. <laughs> well, Professor, what do you think of jet propulsion? Oh, it's all right, but only on a doctor's prescription. <laughs> talking about speed flying. What do you know about it? Well, I had a plane that could fly 500 miles an hour. Well, did you ever go out for any records? Yes, just the other day. I stepped across the street to get mazidotes. Uh... <laughs> well, look, Cloney, you don't sound like a pilot to me. What kind of combat experience have you had? Well, I sank three Jap warships, bombed Berlin 15 times, and downed 50 Messerschmitts. Then I had to quit. You had to quit? Why, Kelowna? Fell out of my bunk at the Santa Ana Barracks. February of 1944, Frances Langford was 28 years old. She grew up in Florida and originally trained as an opera singer. A tonsillectomy changed her range, and she shifted her vocal approach to a more contemporary big band popular music style. As a teenager, cigar manufacturer Eli Witt heard her sing at an American Legion party and hired her to sing on a local radio show he sponsored. In 1931, Langford moved to Hollywood, appearing on Luella Parsons' radio show. She was soon heard by Rudy Valley, and in 1935 she made her film debut in Every Night at Eight. That year she became a regular performer on Dick Powell's radio show, which Bob Hope joined in 1937. When the Pepsodent program launched in 1938, she began a long-term engagement with Hope. An empty 
baby comes home No love, no nothing And that's a promise I'll keep No fun with no Getting plenty of sleep My heart won't strike And though it like An empty honeycomb No love, no sir No nothing Till Langford singing No Love, No Nothing. That was swell, too. You too, Stan Kenton. Grand work back there. Give me something. Thank you very much. <laughs> Francis, and say, you, lo you look wonderful tonight, Francis. You look like a letter from home to these boys. Do you think so? Yeah, they're certainly trying to read between the lines. <laughs> well, Miss Bay! Well, hello! Look at all the second lieutenants. No. No, these men aren't second lieutenants. They haven't made the grade yet. Well, they have as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Miss Vague, you have a pre-flight mind on a pre-war body. <laughs> Civil war. the sweetest thing. Don't be afraid to look at me. <laughs> Tell me, did you just get out of a link trainer? You seem a little jerkier than usual tonight. Uh, why should I waste time on you with all these handsome men here? Oh, but Miss Vague, these cadets are too young for you. Why, they're nothing but babes in the woods. Uh, really? Sounds like a wonderful forest to get lost in. <laughs> I'm very popular with these cadets here, Mr. Hope. They just voted me their pinball girl. <laughs> pinball? You mean pinup girl, Miss Vane. No, pinball. They spend a nickel on you and expect you to light up. Mr. Hope, don't you think I made a good hostess at the party? Oh, yes, you did, Miss Vane, but you shouldn't have been so anxious to play post office. What makes you think I was anxious to play post office? Well, you were the only one there wearing a mailman's uniform. <laughs> oh, you darling. Where did you get that gig? Uh, <laughs> Miss Vague, you mean gag. A gig is a black mark against your record. I know. Where did you get that gig? <laughs> Miss Vague, 
I noticed you didn't dance with any of the cadets at your party. Oh, well, goodness, would you dance with someone who hugged you so hard you thought your ribs would break? No, I wouldn't. Oh, well, neither would they. <laughs> well... Yes, it's too bad you didn't get to dance with them. Those cadets sure know how to rumba. Rumba? Yeah, you know, that's when the front of you acts like it's in quarantine while the back of you makes like it's just got a six-hour pass. <laughs> But you didn't dance with me once all evening. Oh, well, I know I'm sorry, Mr. Hope, but I'm not very good at the square dance. Uh, well, I can't understand it. You had the figure for it. Oh, oh you dear boy. <laughs> Tell me, have you changed the water on your brain lately, or aren't the goldfish fussing? But one of those students didn't want to kiss me He said kissing spreads cold One of the students said kissing spreads cold? Yeah. Well, what'd you do? I just grabbed him around the neck and yelled Shoot the flu to me, Stu! Here he is, ladies and gentlemen A fellow brought here today by petition of these boys The man who made Sinatra's mother swoon Bing Crosby <laughs> Girl in my mind, the one who is my ideal. Can you remember where you first laid eyes on Crosby? I think at the Friars Club here, back about 32. I did, and then we yeah. played the Capitol Theater here with Abe Lyman and an act called Cass Mack and Owen. Yeah. And we became very good friends because we started working together and doing impressions of the president of Coca-Cola Company, meeting the president of the... Coca-Cola company on the street, you know? And I played Pepsi, and we can say, hi, hi. This is the stuff. <laughs> Folks, this is how you get started with a little gas, that's all. <laughs> no, I mean it. And then, oh, they died at that, you know? And, you've and later on, I did it with Cary Grant, this whole routine for the Victory Caravan, you know? Yeah and two farmers meeting on the street, you know? In February 1944, Hope Crosby and Dorothy Lamore were wrapping filming of Road to Utopia, the fourth in their series of Road to Films. Written by Melvin Frank and Norman Panama, the film is about two vaudeville performers at the turn of the 20th century. They go to Alaska to make their fortune. Along the way, they find a map to a secret gold mine. While shooting wrapped in 1944, the film wasn't released until February 27, 1946. Its screenplay was nominated for an Academy Award the next year. It should. This is where your stork got his. May I say that you're solid tonight, Buster? Really solid. Yes, sir. All suet, but solid. <laughs> All suet. <laughs> you should talk with that built-in ball turret, your character. <laughs> Quite a pot you're toting there. <laughs> well, at least my lid fits. <laughs> I know, but you'll have to give up that girdle sooner or later. They'll be around for it. Oh, Robert, Robert. You're just the same as ever. I am? Yes, and you have my sympathy. <laughs> well, don't ask me. I want to ask you, do you want to talk about our charity golf match we played at Long Beach Sunday, or would it be too embarrassing? Embarrassing? Who's embarrassed? You can't beat a guy that greases his ball before each drive. <laughs> 
I didn't grease my ball. I just rubbed a little yeast on it so it would rise faster. That's all. <laughs> and maybe you'd improve your game if you brought along a few golf balls. Oh, you think that'd help? Sure. After all, how far can you drive a stork egg? <laughs> Even tip the caddy who carried your bag. Well, at least I had a bag. You know, you took all the class out of the fair. Walking around with those three wood clubs and a five iron sticking out of the sag in your pants. <laughs> you should talk about clothes. You look like you're wearing a zoot rainbow right now. <laughs> then we make a good team. Every rainbow has to have a pot. I guess. <laughs> Well, you should be ashamed to talk like that after all the favors I've been doing for you lately. What favors have you done for me? Well, who do you think got you all those bits in my new road picture? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm truly penitent if I forgot to thank you. Oh, think nothing of it. You'd do the same for me if you were on top. <laughs> boy's bleeding. It? Oh, no. Say... Oh. This picture we're doing about Alaska, Bing. I thought it was called The Road to Utopia. Say, where is Utopia? Any place where you can reach out and tap Dorothy L'Amour. But I... <laughs> I I've got to stop, though. It's habit-forming. Look, uh... <laughs> why is Dottie pouting at me on the set these days? Do you pouting? think she's jealous because I've got the best dressing room? Have you got a room to dress in now? <laughs> yeah, you can't depend on that early morning fog anymore. <laughs> But what a story that road to Utopia has. Just Eight think, yards. Bing, there we were in Alaska, surrounded by ice and snow, nearly frozen stiff. And then Dorothy Lamour came along. Yeah, it was the quickest thaw in history. <laughs> Say, you know what Dottie was telling me? That you have developed into quite a hectic screen lover. Oh, did Lamour show you my scenes? Showed me her x-rays. <laughs> Say, but isn't it quite a coincidence, Bing, you're working in the picture about the frozen north? What do you mean? Where's the coincidence? Well, it wasn't so long ago that Sinatra put you on ice. <laughs> That was the unkindest... Tell me, does Frank Sinatra worry you much? Not at all. That boy's hot, and I hope he goes places. Then he'll even be hotter. <laughs> but actually, really, we're, we're in no competition, Frankie and I. He's got a different type of listener. Naturally, they change each generation. <laughs> oh, now, Bob. You're bitter. He and I are just a couple of singers. We both believe in fair competition. Well, when did you two hit the peace pipe? The other day, we got very chummy. You did? Yes. We even agreed to quit scratching out each other's names off the jukeboxes. <laughs> well, are you living up to the agreement? I certainly am. Of course, nothing was said about crawling inside and filing down the needle. <laughs> well, what do you say, Chubb? Let's show the folks what happens when two slick chicks wait at the radio station for Frankie. Let's go. Some music, All Professor right. Kesson. Here we go. Hortense. Is this the stage door where Frankie comes out? Does he walk through this alley, actually? Yes, he does. Oh, <laughs> oh stop that. <laughs> Hortense, you're getting your lips all muddy. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, I'm excited. <laughs> How can you tell? My pivot tooth keeps jumping out of my braces. <laughs> Gee whiz, doesn't that Frankie... T ah! But doesn't Frankie... Ah! But Frankie Reed. Ah! Oh, that name! 
Jesus! He really sends me. How about you? <laughs> yes, even more than my yo-yo. <laughs> Say, wasn't it fun sitting in the front row and looking up at him for three whole shows? Come on, Agnes, let's go in again for one more show. I can't, Hortense. Why not? My squealer's worn out. <laughs> I, I saw Frankie once and he didn't even look at me Really? Well, what'd you do? For two weeks, I wore my bobby socks at half mast <laughs> um, Look, Hortense Ooh, There's Frankie ah, I'm sent, I'm sent <laughs> Oh, shuckins It's only Bing Crosby Well, here I am back again <laughs> Say, when Frankie comes out the door, I'm gonna wave at him Here he comes now There he goes, wave, wave Wave, <laughs> wave as though you're talking, Agnes, I've got to take some stuff off this charm bracelet. <laughs> and here's Francis. My heart tells me this is just a flame. Yet you say our love means everything Do you mean what you are saying? Or is this a little game you're playing? My heart tells me I will cry again Lips that kiss like yours Could lie again If I'm fool enough to see this through Will I be sorry if I do? Should I believe my heart or you? I'd like to believe my heart doesn't know. My heart tells me I will cry again. That kiss like yours could lie again If I'm fool enough to see this through Will I be if I do
The Bob Hope Show is rebroadcast especially for you soldiers, sailors, Marines, and Coast Guardsmen of the United Nations. Now, Stan Kenton, Bob's music master, steps up baton in hand to lead his orchestra in a musical after show. Okay, Stan, take over.
rebroadcast as a presentation of the Armed Forces Radio Service.